Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. This is Patricia Raskin. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. It's so great to be with you all. Today, we have quite an interesting program for you. We're talking about restoring resiliency and vitality and harmony for women uh, with a woman who has done just that in her own life. Her name is Kristen Carbone, and she is the founder of Brilliantly, a brand that provides the support women need on their journey toward feeling vital and strong in their mind and body after mastectomy. Motivated by her own personal experience, Kristen is committed to providing solutions that help women deal with long-term physical and emotional needs so that they can prosper. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. Good. Did I say your last name right, Carbone? Yes, you did. Oh, perfect. Okay. Sometimes it's a little different. All right. So, you know, in your on your website, which is called brilliantly.co, you talk about that that the seeds for the business that you grew were sown by your mother's passing and that uh, what left behind was, you know, the look of your own mortality and a potential struggle with breast cancer that she had. Talk about that. Yes, of course. So my mom passed away in her 40s from metastatic breast cancer. And after I had my children, I really put more time into thinking about how I could not have the same thing happen to me. And when my mom was struggling with cancer, there was no insurance. There was there was nothing that protected you against insurance mm-hmm. discrimination if you were found to have a hereditary gene mutation. And so she opted to not get tested for the BRCA gene mutation, which was the only one known at the time. And when I got tested in 2008, I also didn't have the genetic mutation, but I had a number of other factors that were thought to be hereditary risk. And the women in my family who've gotten breast cancer all passed away. Mm -hmm. So there was no one really left to test. And Mm -hmm. the women in my family who got it um, all got it young and it traveled through their system really aggressively. And so in, I started a pretty rigorous screening path in 2009. And shortly after I turned 30, a few years later, they found a lump and it was benign, but it scared me enough that I thought, you know, I'd had my two children, I'd nursed them both. I really was not someone who identified with my breast as part of my character. And it just felt like the right thing to do to Mm. take some preventative action. Which in this case was a mastectomy. Yes. So I had a preventative double mastectomy in um, early 2013. Is this similar to the Angelina Jolie story? Yes. So I had mine a few months before she famously announced that she had had one. And, you know, thankfully, I think, as we all know, celebrities can cause great influence and impact. And since she announced her surgery and her choice, there's been a lot more awareness around this as an option for women who have an increased risk. Um, When I was making the decision throughout, I was actually fighting with my insurance company for most of 2012. And 
had this in early 2013, it was really hard for me to find other women who had chosen this option because it just wasn't something people were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Even within my own support network, there were people who really didn't understand that it was different than like a breast augmentation, for example. Um, It just seemed really extreme. It wasn't something that was in the popular consciousness. So she did, I think, this community of women a great service by being so public Mm -hmm. about her process. Now, after this happened, after you had the double mastectomy, then did you have reconstruction? Or did did. you have implants? I do. I have implants. And, um, you know, the the process for that has evolved and changed. And some people still do it the way that I did it, which was that during the process of the mastectomy, they immediately put in tissue expanders, which are... um, They put them in between your chest muscles and then slowly fill up the expander to create a pocket in your chest wall for the implant to sit. Um, I, you know, looking back, the process of having the expanders filled was the most painful part, physically painful part of Mm. this entire journey. And, um, you know, they've been doing more direct to implant where they put the implants in at the same time that they do surgery now, there are women who get them put over the muscles so it doesn't disrupt your muscle function, which is a big mm-hmm. part of um, one of the long-term side effects that I experience is, you know, how my muscles move and my strength. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are different ways to do it now for women who are considering it or going through the process than there were um, even five years ago. Yeah, and that's not so long ago either. Yeah. No, but so- thankfully they're making innovations. <laughs> So as a result of this, which is so interesting, is this is what led you to a whole new positive path in your life because of this pain uh, and suffering, if you will. Yeah, you know, I think I am someone, I describe myself as a recovering type A. I'm someone who likes to be able to do everything for myself and have, you know, just control over most situations and whether that was like, um, making entire meals all from scratch or making sure that my baseboards never had any dust. I really wanted to be someone who had full control over all aspects of my life and felt as if asking for help or saying that I couldn't keep things in what was my narrow definition of perfect uh, was something that I wasn't comfortable with. I didn't want to say, hey, I need help doing this or, hey, this is how I prefer these things to be. Can someone help me maintain this? And being physically out of commission forced me into a situation where I had to ask more people for help. And I think that Mm. it was not only humbling and lovely to allow so many different people to come in and care for me and my children and my household, but, you know, it, it changed me as a person and it gave me a new perspective on it didn't matter if the vegetables were chopped how I would have chopped them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things got done and People brought humor and levity and love into this situation that was, for me, otherwise kind of heavy and dark. Mm. So that sort of authentic part of you and you could just let your real self out without having to be perfect. Yeah, and it's maintained that way. You know, some of my closest friends have joked that, like, I'm just more pleasant to be around because I'm not so fixated on keeping mm-hmm. everything else perfect. I'm actually mm-hmm. looking at my unmade bed right now from where I'm sitting, which would be an unheard of scenario 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and, you know, I think it's allowed me to focus on the things that I find the most 
important too. And that isn't always if the dishes are done or my bed's made, but now it's who I'm spending time with and how we're spending that time together. Well, you also have a very strong background in the arts, right? So you have a lot of aesthetic, you know, there's a lot of aesthetic values. You, You look at things from that point of view, which may be part of the perfection, if you will, in terms of things really looking well, Right. Tell us about yes, that. Absolutely. Yeah. My background is actually uh, as a museum curator. I was an art history major in college and I went on to work at some really wonderful and amazing museums, the Albright Knox in Buffalo, New York, the Tang Museum at Skidmore College, and then most recently um, the museum at RISD here in Providence. And I do have, um, you know, aesthetics are really important to me and having things look visually well to me represents more than just like tidiness, I guess it's it's a it's a pursuit towards beauty that mm-hmm. I can't seem to escape yes. <laughs> in my physical yeah. space. Yeah. yeah, so that that's understandable. So then, having said all of this, what I know that you have developed a product. So explain how that process came to be. Of course. So you know the interesting thing about having this surgery back in 2013 when people weren't talking about it. But I didn't, although I had this community of people and the support network, there wasn't anyone in that group who'd been through this. So while I had people who could like cook for me and make me laugh and take care of the kids, I didn't have someone who I could say, hey, is this how you felt? Or does this look normal to you? Or, Or what do you think about, you know, this decision or that decision? And So I sort of muddled through things on my own, and a lot of the side effects that I had, I just assumed were me, or or that I was the only person having this experience, Mm -hmm. in whether it was physical or emotional. And the one that I found the most surprising, because some things you expect, right? Like you're waking up in a new body, so your clothes are going to fit different, or you're going to feel differently about how you look without your clothes on, or Mm -hmm. how you look in a bathing suit, or who who sees you without clothes on and, and what it feels like to um, touch that entire area that's numb or painful for a long time and just what's your relationship with your body. Those things I sort of expected. The, the main thing that I didn't expect was that I felt cold all the time. And mm. I thought that was me. And it was sort of six months after my last surgery that I realized that that was a real feeling because some feelings like, I don't know if you, you know, everyone's had Novocaine, right? Like you can get an itch or there's something, you feel something, but you can't actually get to that feeling. And, and it's not, it's not real. And so going through this journey of sensations and getting to a point where I could trust that what I was feeling was actually how my body was going to feel took months. And this coldness started to affect how I lived my life. So I, at the time, was working with a collective of public artists in a very casual work environment. And I would sit at my desk with a hot water bottle under my sweater. Um, I've tried wearing glove warmers in my bra and got burned. And Mm. then I became someone who was always bundled up. And I stopped wanting to swim in the ocean with my kids. I don't really like playing in the snow. I haven't skied in years. There's all kinds of outdoor fall and winter things that I just don't participate in anymore. And it wasn't something I really publicly complained about, but the people who were closest to me or living in my house, of course, knew. And about two years ago, I had a friend who 
came across a thermally conductive fabric and he said, I think we could make you something to wear out of this. And so that started this process of designing a warming bra insert. And I thought I was just going to make it for myself and quickly was reminded that I'm not an engineer. And um, before I hired a product development firm, which is an expensive and time-consuming endeavor, I realized that it didn't make any sense to make this for me unless there were other women who needed it. So I started um, interviewing like 10 women a week and connecting with women on social media and in person and talking to them, not just to find out about if they also experienced coldness, although at the time, two years ago, that was my primary goal to find out Mm -hmm. if people needed what I needed. But I found out that we had all of these other experiences in common, and it was so rewarding and affirming to talk to people who understood immediately what I'd been through. And the thing that we shared was this common moment when you have to get back to being yourself. So whether that's a maintenance plan, if you have metastatic cancer, or if you did this preventatively and you're done with your final surgery, there is a there is a time when you have to just get back to being yourself and living mm-hmm. your life and being a mom mm-hmm. or going to work and figuring right. out how do you exist in this new normal. And mm-hmm. so yeah. understanding that there was this big unmet need has really defined right. how I want to spend All the right. next chunk of my years. And, and what we're going to do is take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about your story, Kristen, and how this issue that you had created an amazing product, which is helping many women. And so now we're going to get to the next part of the journey right after the break of how you develop the product by talking to people and through your own experience. We're talking to Kristen Carbone, and she's the founder of Brilliantly. It's a brand that provides support to women who really need to move in their journey and feel vital and strong in their mind and body. So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Uh, this is pre-recorded today, and certainly uh, we will give you the website, which is, which is brilliantly.com. So you are certainly welcome to contact Kristen. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. 
All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, and today our show is pre-recorded, and you can contact, contact Kristen at brilliantly.com or brilliantly.co. Brilliantly.co. My guest is Kristen Carbone. She's the founder of Brilliantly, which is a brand that provides support that women need on their journey toward feeling vital and strong in their mind and body. And Kristen went through a... a uh, mastectomy and but she did it on her own she did it because she felt that there was so much heredity in her family that she wanted to be preventative welcome back Kristen thank you and so speaking of that because you did this as a preventative measure you um you know didn't realize and even if it wasn't preventative you still would have had these symptoms because it was a mastectomy correct yes that's true and I think, you know, for a lot of women, sensation and temperature and comfort, it's all really subjective. So there are different people who experience the side effects differently. And that mm-hmm. was also an interesting thing to learn as I talked to so many different women. Well, and also you were talking in the beginning about the type of mastectomy, whether it was, you know, whether it was in the cavity or whether they put extenders. So that would also have something to do with sensation too, Correct. Yes, and I think there are other, you know, there's lots of different options for reconstruction, and of course, some women choose to not get reconstruction at all. Um, other women take tissue from different parts of their body, and then they recreate um, a breast mound using body tissue. It, I think this cold sensation is specific to implant reconstruction because there's no fatty vascular tissue left that's mm-hmm. insulating what's essentially a water balloon. And right. so it acts as a heat sink. It's pulling heat from your core and trying to equalize with the temperature outside. See. All right. So what did other women tell you who had been through this when you started talking with them? What, did you hear the same story that you were feeling in terms of being cold or did you hear different things? I heard so many different things and it was really interesting. You know, there were a handful of people who just like I had thought that it was unique to their situation. There was one woman who I talked to who said, wait, is that why I'm cold? And she said, I've gone to my doctor four times and asked her to test me for thyroid disorder because I can't get warm. And she said, I knew my implants were cold to the touch, but I didn't think that it made that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, it, it, it did. It happened. It was like within the year I had surgery, but it was like putting the pieces together because these feelings that you get, um, 
evolve over time. So you sort of yes. settle into this new body and you get used to some of them or you think, oh, maybe I was always cold and didn't notice or, you know, it's there are so many immediate and acute things you need to consider around your health and well-being that sometimes, and I think we as women are extra good at ignoring um, and, and not complaining about these these things that feel not critical. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're walking around in high heels and we're plucking our eyebrows and we're doing all kinds of things that are lightly painful all the time. So when you have a feeling or a sensation that's uncomfortable, depending on how much it bothers you, you may or not may not even really acknowledge that it's happening. Mm-hmm. So that was some of those conversations where women realized that it was because of the implants were interesting and I kind of wish I had recorded them. It was a, a beautiful mm. moment of like Did you did you have more of those conversations, Kristen, than not? Were more of the women you talked to feeling the same thing you were, the coldness in their chest and in their body, or was it mixed? It was absolutely mixed. I think there were women who had also had their ovaries removed who were then forced into menopause and, you know, we all know that with, with that experience, you get hot flashes. And so mm-hmm. having this sort of cool area on your chest stifled that feeling of, of the hot flash coming up, like through your chest and up your neck to your face. Um, mm-hmm. Some women, it just didn't bother them. And I think that it has to do with how you spend your time, whether you have, you know, if you're sitting in a room that's air conditioned all day, it's much more likely to bother you than if you're someone who's a yoga instructor or who does a really physically active job where you're moving around. Um, of course, people's metabolism. I think it's the same as going into a room. If you went into a room of 50 people and said, who's comfortable with the temperature? Everyone's going to kind of have a different answer. So, well, the majority of the women I spoke to were, um, in absolutely in specific situations, very cold because of their implants, it bothered people to varying degrees. Interesting. So once you got the information from the women and then, and you had the friend who created this lining, talk more about this, the process of this product. Yeah. So he is a really good friend. um, And we spent a few weeks trying to make some kind of proof of concept design and, um, his, his name is Chris. He was actually my landlord and has slowly kind of become part of our extended family. And he does special effects for movies. So he has a pretty vast mm. material knowledge, but he's also not an engineer. So we got to this point where we had this sort of ugly thing that did heat and it heated evenly. And we hooked it up to a giant yellow DeWalt battery for power. And I was like, this is awesome, but I can't wear this. So the process of actually working with a product development company has been absolutely fascinating. And to learn about all of the nuances in technology and Mm. um, design, it's been just such an education. And I had never worked with engineers before. So seeing how people's minds work and how they problem solve has been one of the most rewarding parts of this experience for me, because the way that I would figure something out would be in this situation, poorly, and just a completely different way of thinking about reaching a solution. And so they were able to create something that was doable. Yes, and it's really so much cooler and more amazing than I thought. You know, for me, um, the things that I said, it needed to be really discreet. Um, it, I wanted it to feel kind of sexy and not medical at all. So it's, there's no wires 
um, it's, it is very thin, like it's as thin as a t-shirt. So I didn't want people to have to find a new bra or change their cup size or be uncomfortable when it was in the bra, that it was just part of how you get dressed every day if you're someone mm-hmm. who needs this, and that you put on your bra of your choosing, which can be different every day. We've designed it to fit into almost any kind of bra or cup style, and that it's controlled by an app. So when you're home and getting dressed, you put it in, and then if you go to work or you walk into the grocery store or you're in the boardroom or wherever you experience this <clears throat> excuse me, discomfort, you can just switch on your phone, open the app, and turn it on. So you don't have to stick your hand in your shirt. Yeah, it's That's pretty amazing. amazing. Isn't that amazing? And you've tried it, of course. You've been yes, wearing I've it. I've actually been, um, it, mine, my prototype that I um, beat up and test for durability and throw in the washing machine and crumple up and wear in all of my different things um, is charging right now. So, so it's it's so it's a piece of material, and it it how does it heat? What's the heating mechanism? Is it inside so of the material? We actually uh, we abandoned the um, thermally conductive fabric, and we are using an ink, and the ink has carbon in it, so it's almost like an iron-on transfer that is wow. warming. So there's no conduits through it, like an electric blanket. There's no wires yes. or cords. Wow. The whole surface of the fabric that has um, this ink printed on it, and it's flexible, and it's soft, and it's comfortable. And it also is amazing. Hot. It's warm, and it's cozy. Mm. What an amazing thing. You, I'm sure you were just floored. It, it, the, the minds, right? The geniuses that, that can figure this out and all the factors that oh, go I'm, into it. Yes, I'm continually impressed and I mean even the the company that's making the heating pad that makes that iron-on transfer part they do so much cool stuff to go to the factory and I'm going there again on um, in a few days for a visit just to see like the way that we can use electronics and the way that technology Mm. has developed and that you can use a screen printing machine it's just it's totally mind-blowing And how does that uh, uh, how does that work from a business standpoint? They then the, do they does it become their product or is it still your product? Um, it's still my product. So it depends on you know each each company will have um, each product development company will have a different contract. So there are some companies that want to co own IP. There are other companies that are. Um, more like a gun for hire where you come in with an idea and you pay them and they execute your idea and you own the intellectual property around any innovations that they make. So um, my company does own the intellectual property. We're in the process of patenting some of the really specific innovations that have come Mm -hmm. out of this um, R&D process. So that's really exciting too. What an exciting thing. And so ha- how has this product that you're testing now, how has it changed your life, Kristen? Well, you know, this has been a really cold few weeks here in New England. And mm. just my ability to to go outside and not be incredibly uncomfortable is it allows me to focus and be present in a way that I haven't been in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any anyone who experiences any discomfort can relate to this. So you could even simply have a bad back 
And you know that if you're sitting somewhere and you're trying to have a conversation with someone and you're burdened by a pain or a discomfort, it's so hard to be present when you're like constantly aware of your physicality and something that doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. It, mm-hmm. You're not doing your best work. You're not available emotionally in the same way. And I think that can be with any loss. I can think it can be with the loss of a loved one, that emotional pain that haunts you. It can be a financial loss where you can't pay the bills it used to pay. I think, And it can be with a health challenge. I think it can be with any of those that's so much in your mind that it distracts you. Right, of course. Yeah, any distraction. Yeah, it's, it's so important. This is amazing. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Kristen Carbone about how, you know, what does she say to women who are going through loss? Again, it could be this. It could be the loss of a loved one, but loss is loss. And, you know, what she did and the steps that she took just in terms of emotionally to keep herself strong and and empowered and and passionate and resilient. So that's what we're going to talk about next. My guest is Kristen Carbone. She's the founder of Brilliantly, a brand that provides support to women needed on their journey toward feeling vital and strong. And she developed a product and is in the process of launching a product for women who've had mastectomy who um, are, are having breast implants and who feel cold in their body because of this. So that's what we're talking about today, and this is a specially pre-recorded program for you. And you can contact Kristen through her website at brilliantly.co. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert, author, and nationally recognized dog trainer Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on Voice America. And my guest is Kristen Carbone. She's the founder of Brilliantly, a brand that provides support for women needed on their journey toward feeling vital and strong. She was motivated by her own personal experience and after mastectomy to and feeling very cold to uh, come up with a solution that is helping her and will soon help many, many women. So welcome back, Kristen. It's so nice chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we were talking about the process of reconstruction, how you felt cold afterwards a lot, almost all the time, that it was preventing you from doing a lot of outdoor things, and that uh, you found somebody to help you design something that will really, that you can put inside your bra that will really help women and is already helping you in terms of the, the warmth and the heat. So... Certainly, if you want to say more about that, that's fine. But I really want to talk to you about the emotional process of going through this and how you got through it. Because, you know, a woman may not be going through this, but we all go through loss of some sort in our life. It could be a loved one. It could be, you know, the loss of our own sort of inner self in a way, or we feel like we've been thrown off course. It could be the loss of health. It could also be the loss of money. And all of that, you know, makes us change in some way and forces us to make changes. So I'd, I'd love you to talk about how you, what are the steps that you use to get through this process emotionally? You know, I think that it's a great question, and I think it's really different for everyone. And for me, um, I was really lucky in that I was surrounded by people who helped me make it funny. Um, I use humor, and not everybody does to kind of, I find comfort in humor and being able to make a joke and to make people laugh or for someone else to make me laugh um, helps almost anything feel a little bit lighter. And I think that I maybe grew into that. That wasn't necessarily how I always lived my life. And at the time that I was, in, you know, the months leading up, to surgery, I had a lot of people in my life who were very, very funny. And um, we made a stop motion animation film using tiny horses moving around on my chest that Mm -hmm. um, we named Terror in Titty Town, you know, like just really kind of silly things that were um, part of my process of saying goodbye to my body as I knew it. And Mm -hmm. there were days that were really difficult and hard. And there were some days that were a lot easier. Um, during um, the time from when I decided I was going to have the preventative mastectomy until about a year after it, I kept a blog. I have a really big, wonderful family, and in an effort to keep everyone informed, it just seemed like the easiest way to communicate. And that helped me, too, and it gave me an outlet um, for, one, just giving people information and saying that I was okay, but it also gave me a framework and an obligation in a way to think about and reflect on what was happening and how I was feeling. And I realized that, um, you know, while it was a really honest blog, 
I did skew positive. And I'm an optimistic person by nature. But I think that, you know, telling people that, hey, today I feel really good. Um, but, but last week, here's the things I was struggling with. But, but writing and approaching it on days when I felt better rather than days when I felt worse, I received more positivity back. And I think that the positive reinforcement and the I'm so glad you're feeling good and I, I think you look great too and that sort of thing was really important for me to hear. And I think if I had been putting out negative stories or telling myself or focusing on those things that weren't going well or when I didn't feel good about something, that then people will sort of dive into that with you because everyone wants to meet you where, you, where you're at. Um, I think it's really natural if someone's having a bad day to say, like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I had a bad day too, and to kind of empathize. And mm. I think what happened was I naturally started telling more positive stories because I didn't want my family to worry about me. And in doing that, I got so much positivity back that even on the days where I felt the worst, or, you know, there, I remember this day, it was the first day where I got dressed and was like, I look like a monster. And, of course, most people don't notice the difference when you're fully closed, even mid-process. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, as myself, as a person reflecting on my own body and how I looked, just felt horrible and texted a few friends and was like, I just feel like garbage today. And everyone rallied for me. And I think knowing who to reach out to um, helped me emotionally. Having um, people around who are funny was a big deal for me. But I do think that there are some people who really want to go through it more quietly and more privately. So, you know, it was, it was me trying to meet my own emotional needs. And I've done a, it, de- it depends on the time as to how well I've done in that. But I think for the most part, um, having people who love me, who were funny around made a big difference. Yeah, that's so important is the humor. So important. Yeah. And what about your children and your family and how they responded to all this? Yes. Yeah, so my children were very small. They were two and four. And I... You know, as I, 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 it took me a whole year to plan the surgery because of insurance and because I needed help to care for the kids. And there were lots of factors going into the logistics around it, um, mostly insurance. But the kids were really little. And I was pretty clear in my thinking that I wanted to have them not remember it as a moment where I wasn't well. And that I thought they were at an age where they probably might not remember it at all. And I was happy about that. So it was difficult because they still needed a lot of care and they needed a lot of physical care, like being picked up out. My daughter was still in a crib. You know, there was a lot of um, things that were happening that required an adult to be able to lift them up or change diapers or that sort of thing. And, but in the moment we had, we ended up having about four months worth of help staying with us at the house. And so that was a rotating cast of amazing characters. And for the kids, that time was so fun because there were so many people around and, Mm. you know, different grownups who were like taking them to do fun activities or who were playing games with them or who were answering my son's endless why, 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 why. He was at the why age at that point. So there were so many different people around that they did really well, Um, you know, my kids are super physical anyway, and 
used to climb on me all the time, and they still do now, but it was pretty simple and effective to say, like, I have boo-boos, and this is how you can touch me right now, where it's not going to hurt me, and, and that was fine. So I didn't really tell them much about it. They, of course, know about it now, um, but, you know, I answer the questions as they come up and try to, again, meet them where they are with their questions and their thinking around why I did it mm. and what it meant and... Yeah. And it's really, you said something in the beginning, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit. You talk about that this is a new normal. Being a mother, it's a new normal. Your own life is a new normal. You have a new body, if you will. Talk about the new normal. Yeah, the new normal is is um, ever evolving. <laughs> you know, I think um, I went into this thinking it was going to be an acute medical intervention and then I would be done. And that is not true. Um, if you are someone who has had cancer or has hereditary risk or really who has any chronic illness, um, it's, it's more of a life path. It's just part of how you exist in the world. So there's still screening. There's still doctor's appointments. Um, I have a lump under my right arm now. Um, you know, it's, it's just part of your life and it becomes the fabric of, of your day to day. And, my new normal is me trying to figure out how to come to terms with the realities of what that means and and not let it completely take over my thought process. So, you know, being able to do all the things I want to do and be present with my kids and have the fun and do the work and also really still be good about taking care of myself and and following up with doctors and going to appointments and how do, how do I emotionally manage the landscape of what my life is, is more my new normal than, um, than, than my physical body. I think there have been, I, I still feel weird in a bathing suit. If I could wear a turtleneck every day of every year, I, I would wear a bathing suit that was a turtleneck. I would wear a formal dress that was a turtleneck. I'm just more comfortable now covered up, which was not, how I was before as someone who was small chested, I didn't give a lot of thought to if something showed or if something maybe made me look trashy. And I'm much more self-conscious about my chest than I used to be, but um, I don't dwell on it. So for me, it's really about figuring out how to live positively. Yeah. How do you feel, you know, because whatever setback we have, there's always some kind of a gift. And I know people might argue with that statement, but there, there's a gift somewhere in this. What's the gift? I think, you know, the gift for me, um, when my mom died, I really struggled with, and I, I truly, like as a person, believe in art and the capacity for art to change lives. But in that moment, I had this crisis of conscience around my decision to work in a museum where I was pretty isolated and I was helping curate shows or working with artists. But I felt like I needed to give back to the world in a, in a different and bigger way. Like I needed to make more of an impact to either honor her or her life or somehow just find meaning because I was wandering around for years really feeling meaningless. I think for me, the silver lining is that I've found a way to give back. And I'm not, I don't have a calling to be a doctor or a nurse. So that made no sense, even though it was a thing I thought about all the time. Maybe I should go back and serve this community. Um, But I think I found a way to connect with and serve this community of women that I care about so much. And 
um, understand and love and value. And some of my closest friends now are women who've gone through similar experiences. And so for me, being allowed to give back and meeting people who I never would have met otherwise has been rewarding Mm -hmm. in a way that I have a hard time articulating. Um, Yeah, understand. I feel wonderful. Yeah, like lucky and blessed to know them all. All right, and on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking more to Kristen Carbone, founder of Brilliantly, a brand that provides the support that women need on their journey toward feeling strong in their mind and body after mastectomy. And it's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful, uh, actually piece of fabric, correct? That is really going to help people stay warm. Stay warm in their body and in their hearts. And we'll be back with Kristen Carbone. I'm Patricia Raskin right here on voiceamerica.com on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And next we'll talk about relationships and dating after you've been through reconstruction and mastectomy. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. 
Hi, everyone. We are back, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on voiceamerica.com. My guest for the whole hour today is Kristen Carbone. She's the founder of Brilliantly, a brand that provides a support that women need on their journey toward feeling vital and strong in their body and mind after they've been through mastectomy. And uh, you can log on to brilliantly.co. And this is a pre recorded interview for you today, but do log on to brilliantly.co and you can contact Kristen. Welcome back, Kristen. Thank you. So what have people said to you, women said to you, who've been through mastectomy, reconstruction, or maybe not reconstruction, but have been through this procedure, this surgery, or uh, as I said, they can do many different things. Some people do tend to do do reconstruction. Some have implants. Some use their own body tissues. Some do nothing. What are you hearing from women in general after mastectomy about new relationships and dating? Yeah, I think um, it's, a, it's a complicated question because um, it's a difficult, I think most women have a difficult time knowing when the right time is to share that information with someone. Like if you are using an app, which so many people do right now, do you put that in your profile? Do you say, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Do you not say that? Do you say it on the first date? Do you say it ahead of the date? And, um, you know, I talked to lots of different women about this. I wrote an article about it. And um, in service of writing that article, I went on probably around 30 first dates. Um, And I, it was in an effort to sort of curate a selection of men who were really very different and had different backgrounds and different jobs and um, different thinking and different ways of life and to tell them that I'd gone through this and to kind of gauge their reaction so I could say with some authority, you know, people react kindly to this. And thankfully, that was my experience that, um, that it was not that big of a deal. And now that I didn't go on second dates, I mean, I went on a second date with two different people out of that core group. So I don't have great follow-up information on what people thought long-term or what the more intimate questions maybe would have been. But from my own personal experience and from the women who I've talked to, some of whom are married and some of whom are dating, for the most part, people are really kind and want to make sure that you feel good and that you feel okay and that they're not causing you any pain or discomfort, that most people are genuinely compassionate around this sort of thing. And my suggestion would be that if you find someone who's not, just like run in the other direction, there's probably a lot of other things that aren't wonderful about that person who isn't understanding. Um, but I do think if if you are with someone who you really are interested in, the, the stakes are higher. It was an easier thing for me to say um, when I didn't have as much emotionally invested in it, when it was more of a research project, for example. Um right. And I think my advice and the stories that I heard that went the best were just people being really honest. I think um, finding mm-hmm. the right time is subjective, and that's going to be different for every person. But just being really very honest about what is the feeling, what are you worried about um, or not worried about, or what's okay or not okay, that's going to always yield the best results, whether that's about... Um, cancer or mastectomy or anything else. I think being honest right. and communicating clearly is 
the best advice you could give anyone who's dating exactly. or starting and, a relationship. Right. And if it's not going to work for the other person, then it's not going to work for you. So you might as well find that right. out in the beginning, correct? Yes. I mean, that's... I agree with you wholeheartedly. So... What would you say to people going through this uh, in the beginning? I mean, if, if somebody was listening to this and they said, well, I'm about to go through this process, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them, Kristen? That's a good question because I do talk to um, a lot of women who are about to go through it. And I've found that the women who reach out to me most often are um, moms. And the questions are usually around what to do about the kids and how much do you tell them or not tell them, and, um, and, and logistics. Like, how do you manage the logistics? How did you um, deal with school pickup and meals and all of these things? I think, um, especially as moms, if you're running a household and children and you work, there is a lot of juggling, and it's hard to imagine that all of those balls are going to stay in the air being bounced around if you're out of commission. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so a lot of the advice I end up giving is really super practical advice um, about like what I did or what worked or what didn't work. But um, I also have found that the most important thing to do, even if someone is reaching out and saying they need advice, actually the important thing to do is just listen to them because mm-hmm. I think many women don't know a lot of other women who've been through it. So if someone's reaching out to me, who isn't a close friend, which happens pretty regularly now, um, they just need someone to understand what they're going to go through and to tell them it's going to be okay. And I think just having someone listen who understands um, is a huge comfort. And I know that um, I would have absolutely felt the same way. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really finding somebody who's been through it and who understands that that's what, that's what I'm hearing And that. That's absolutely the key. Okay. And um, what else would you say to the family members and the loved ones of these folks? What would be your advice? I think that um, I am probably not alone in my difficulty around asking for help. And that if you are a family member or a loved one of someone who's going through this or any other chronic illness or medical intervention, that rather than just saying, hey, how can I help? like actually offering a very specific help. Like, hey, I would love to make you dinner and drop it off on Saturday, or I'm available to take you to the doctor or follow-up appointment if you're a close friend or family member, or Mm -hmm. even I'm someone who can take you to the salon so you can get your hair washed and blow-dried. Like, Mm -hmm. identify for the person what is the thing that you can provide rather than waiting for them to ask you, because sometimes it's hard to ask for help, and sometimes you don't want to put someone out by asking them for something that they can't or really would be uncomfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Very good. How can people find you? I know you have the website, which is brilliantly.co, but I know you also have blogs. Yes, yeah, so um, we are on Instagram, also at brilliantly.co for the company, and if you're interested in kind of following along on my founder journey. I'm on Instagram at Kristen underscore brilliantly. Um, The website is about to get a reboot, but right now you can, on the blog section of the site, see some guest posts and some other podcasts that I've done. And soon we'll we'll have content from some other contributors. So there's some really exciting stuff coming soon. And on the site, you can sign up for our newsletter. 
Good. And it's brilliantly.co, not com. So, again, brilliantly.co. All right. Kristen, it's really been wonderful to have you on and, and share your story and your courage and wisdom and resilience. Uh, it really has. And I, I really thank you for coming on the program and sharing your story. Yes, of course. Thanks for the opportunity, Patricia. It was nice to chat. All right. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. You can write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list. Or you can also find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources, and like the page. All right, folks, until next week, this is a pre-recorded program for you. And until next week, we'll talk again right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.